0: Good morning, everyone. It was so nice. I don't know what it sounds like um, when you're back further, but down the front here, you have sort of missed the, the speakers. But uh, it's just nice. I, I could hear people singing behind. That was so nice. So if you were one of those people singing, thank you. Uh, if you weren't, that's OK. <laughs> it's not for everyone. But uh, today, I just want to... Uh, Say a special welcome. I know that we've had a few people within our congregation that have been a bit crook and they're back. Uh, If you in the last couple of weeks have had to spend at least a few days at home, just raise your hand with pride uh, because there have been so many uh, that have been crook. And I know Sharon, she's headed off to 252 or somewhere. I was going to say a special welcome to Sharon because I think it's the first week back in over a month. Uh, Whether she's been, actually, she's been pretty sick. So. And the Harrington family, like many of ours, has been with the old COVID and a few other bits and pieces. But Welcome. If this is your first time at Refresh, uh, I hope you've felt welcomed. I hope someone's come up and just said hello or good morning, handed you a hot drink or a sausage. Or perhaps if you got here a little bit later, uh, welcome to you as well. It's great to have you. got a few friends here today, so I won't pick on them, but uh, some of my mates from the Gold Coast down the Tweety here today. So... Uh, welcome to you guys, it's really nice to have you here, and uh, probably two that i make special mention of, it's great to have Max and June here with us. Uh, they are some of my great families from down at the Gold Coast over there, and of course your whole family's here too, which is great. Today I wanted to focus not on the idea, uh, I don't know about your home, but we, uh, w- every day Trevor and I check the rain gauge, pretty boring old man thing to do. When you hit 50, apparently that's what you do, take notes. You ring your neighbours and let them know how many mils you've had that day. Man, don't you wish you were 50? Um, <laughs> come to think of it, I wish I wasn't now. But uh, we've had nearly half a metre at Perfect so uh, Hardly any compared to the beginning of the year, but still a lot of rain. Storms of life. What I want to focus on today is not the idea of just dealing with the storm that comes our way, but actually what it actually takes. And when we read, and we're going to read in in the New Testament a little while, just a short six verses about a story where Jesus uh, calms a storm. Now, for a lot of you who perhaps have been brought up with a Christian tradition, you'll be like, I've got a pretty good idea where Sean's going to go, because it, it is a topic that is quite often preached on and used. But today, I actually want to focus on a word called faith. Now, when Jesus walked on this earth, he would teach his disciples about different aspects, about teachings and learnings. And one of the aspects that he would often go back to was faith. And he he would speak about things like, if you had the faith of a tiny little mustard seed. So if you had that much faith in God, you could move a, help me out, yeah, not a hill, a mountain. So in other words, it wouldn't be anything in Australia. It would need to be overseas. A huge, big mountain. None of our foothills. We're talking some at least 15,000 feet. Uh, a big mountain. Now, but it's such a small little seed. A few years ago, <laughs> maybe a decade and a bit, um, I got the chance to go to America, and I wanted to go to a place called Battle Creek. For Seventh-day Avenues it's sort of significant because... It's where a lot of our foundations as a church began. And in Battle Creek, you can go and have a look at Ellen White's house. You can go and have a look at Dr. Kellogg's. Uh, Dr. Kellogg set up one of the largest private hospitals in the world in Battle Creek. Uh, At the time, it was one of the largest. It was the most prestigious. I don't know why we needed a prestigious hospital, but it was. And people would come from all over the U.S. to actually go to this hospital. Uh, that was really interesting. We went had a look at Dr. Kellogg's actually designed a whole heap of fitness equipment. And you actually got to have a look at some of the stuff he designed in the 1870s and 1880s. You know these things that uh, apparently it helps your belly? They put this strap around you and it like, makes you do terrible things, like stuff moves. Some of us that have that happen, you skinny ones don't know, but apparently stuff moves often. And, and he designed these machines way back then. And then you go to Kellogg's, which is where John Kellogg was an Adventist, and you have a look at his factory, and and it is humongous. It is miles long. And in the United States, Kellogg's in in Battle Creek is actually where Kellogg's factory, sorry, the Kellogg cereals are actually made for the whole country. It is a ginormous factory, and it's this little country town where all this sort of stuff happened. But the thing that I wanted to focus on today was this idea of the mustard seed, because you know what? A mustard seed can move a mountain. Now, at the time, John Kellogg and there was another guy called Postum, and Postum Cereals was the other major cereal company in the US. And I went there, and we went into the little cemetery, and they've got these, it's a bit quirky, uh, things in America sometimes are. If you're American, I apologise. And there's these little flags, (laughs) like serious little flags like this, and they are Adventist historical sites. It's like, mm, let's check this out. Uh, so I get to the cemetery, and I'm looking for an Adventist historical site. I hope when I'm buried, I don't have one. And anyway, little flag. And I went over there, and there's Ellen and James White's area where they're buried. And I want to tell you, the thing I'm so proud of is it's just a tiny little piece of brickwork that's been rendered and painted, and a tiny little thing that says this is where Ellen White was buried and her husband James. And then Murray said, Murray Hunter said, come with me, I want to show you something. And we went way up the back of this cemetery in Battle Creek, and Mr. Kellogg, who created Kellogg's cereals, he decided, he left Adventism and he decided that he would build, it's it's like a big celebration of himself in death. And it's humongous. It's massive. It's like, it's like what the Greeks, is it the Greeks or Italians, Christophs, that build the big, um, some of Christophs' relatives will know. And these big things, and to celebrate where he is buried. Like to say, look at me, I'm dead. Yeah. You know, well, that was how I felt. I was just like, why would you do that? You know, here's Ellen and James, tiny little thing, just very, very uh, down to earth. And here's Kellogg. Murray said, but there's one more you've got to check out. <laughs> he was directing me <laughs> through, through a cemetery. And we head over and there's lots of flags. And we came over and there was a big tree. And next to the big tree is where Mr. Postum's Cereals is buried. Now, when he left Adventism, he said, Adventists believe in the second coming of Jesus. Just in case uh, <laughs> it's your first time hearing, like, what do they believe about it? That's all we believe in. And we believe that Jesus is going to come back and take us to be with him. Um, now, here is William Post. And he says, you know what? I'm so far against this whole Adventist thing. When Jesus comes back, there's no way he's taken me. So what he decided to do is he built a massive hole. And in that hole, he put concrete six foot below him, six feet to either side of him and six feet above him. So he built his own little like little coffin thing in there with all of this concrete, meters and meters and meters of concrete. And he thought, he thought to himself, uh, that's not gonna happen. Well, God has his way. A little bird come along. And he dropped a little whatnot, and this tiny little seed, and this tree began to grow. And the roots of the tree cracked the concrete <laughs> and actually cracked it open, and they had to actually remove all the concrete, and actually bring his body back up and rebury him. (laughs) Now, if you know Murray Hunter, you'll understand his sense of humour. And he thought it was hilarious. And I did too, a little bit too, to be honest. But the the thing that amazed me about it was the idea of faith. Because a small mustard seed of faith can actually move a huge mountain of trouble in our life. A tiny little seed was able to crack that concrete and make his little funeral cocoon no use. But the idea is that a small amount of faith... If you've got your Bibles with me, I'd invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. It will be on the screen as well, but I think it's always better to look at your your Bible or your screen or or look at the big screen. And I'll try and get out of your way just for a moment so you can read it. So Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 35 to 41. And like I said, it's six verses, but it is an incredibly powerful story. If it's your first time hearing or reading this story, take your time because it is a good story. Okay. Let me read it to you. Mark 4, 35 to 41. I've decided to use the New Living Version today. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, "'Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown?' When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey him. The big idea that I want to share with each one of us not, and it's just as important to me, is this. We must remember to have faith in Jesus through all experiences. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of going down to Jindabyne, and uh, some of you are like, where did Pastor Sean go in April? I got old, forgot where I lived, no, but we ended up in Jindabyne doing big camp, and uh, For those of you who are asking, apparently Big Camp is on this year here, just all around us. It's going to be turned into a a village again. But uh, we went down there for Big Camp. Now, their Big Camp is 600 people. Uh, Some of you here, you're like, wow, that's a lot of people. For those of you who've never been to our Big Camp here, you'll say, boy, that's just a little suburb. (laughs) Uh, We have thousands and thousands of people just here. Well, as I was there, I was speaking for the juniors, and we had a guy uh, called Pastor Luke. Pastor Luke Tonkin. Now, Pastor Luke was leading the tent. I didn't know him, never met him before. He went through Avondale a few years after me. And uh, Pastor Luke was so good with the kids. He was excellent with just communicating with the juniors. And uh, we had so much fun. And and there were on two occasions, Pastor Luke, it was weather like this out there except colder. And Pastor Luke actually said to the juniors, tomorrow we need good weather because we want to do games with you outside and it's predicted to be wet, rainy. And he said, Juniors, do you think we should pray about it? Now, friends, if a tiny little mustard seed can move a mountain, I must have lost the mustard seed in the mail. Because in the back of my head, I was thinking, look, it's predicted to rain, they've been forecasting it, there's a big weather event coming over the snowy mountains, it's going to rain, like... This is a place that picks that sort of weather up. And Luke said, juniors, do you think we should pray about it? And these little uh, grade four to grade sixers, they have the faith of a mustard seed. You don't need more than a mustard seed to move them out. And they prayed and they, they continued to pray and they prayed about it. And, and I was praying with them too. Go junior team. But I want to tell you, there are times in life the logical brain gets in the road of faith. And the logical brain for Sean got in the road of faith, which meant Sean wouldn't allow God to actually turn up and work. And, and I was listening, and the next day, the kids went out and they played, and it didn't rain. And you could say to yourself, oh, that was lucky. Because most people probably wouldn't have even known about the juniors' prayer, except the juniors went home and told their parents... And even the president of their conference came up to me at Brecky and said, so today's going to be a good day, eh? The kids are praying. And I thought, yes, but Sean, where's your faith? That night, Luke got up in front of all the juniors and he testified to them and he said, juniors, today, your prayers, have been, your prayers from last night have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. The next day, we needed a warm day for the kids. You can just imagine going on Lake Jindaby in April, Like, it's freezing cold, but that's what those kids do down there. Country kids are tough. But the conference said, unless it's sunny, um, you can't go on the activity. And again, the weather's forecast for this weather front. And the next day was the only day of the whole week where it was sunny. And the kids went out. No wetsuits. Crazy kids. But again, Luke got there with them and said, you know, God has led Your faith as small as a mustard seed has moved the mountain. God has actually listened. Now, the big idea is a big idea for me. We must remember to have faith in Jesus through all experiences. We must remember. Within our congregation here today, not everyone's doing it easy. There are members within our congregation who I know that are struggling physically, who are struggling emotionally, who are just struggling to try and find their place in life. We as a congregation have a huge opportunity because this is what the family does. The family helps, the family supports, the family turns up. You know, when Andrew talks about the offering, there's plenty of money in the piggy bank, but the reality is... We are so blessed here at Refresh as, as a church because our school and us, we are one. We support each other and we do the ministry together. Those parents that come through the school doors and drop their kids off, they're our mission field. When we give, and, and I encourage you, if you've never done reoccurring giving, I encourage you to do it. Not because we need it for the money. God doesn't need it. But because it is, allows you to also be a blessing, to actually become part of what the mission field is. And uh, I know over the next week, we're shifting some, and we're doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, church is paying for it. And the reason we do that is because that's what God's community does. We need to be there. If we have to give away all the money, we will. Because it's not ours, it's God's. There are many difficulties, and we would call them storms of life, but I want to tell you that even for many of us here, perhaps life's going okay, the storms of life can change so fast. You know, all of us here can think of a time or a situation where things just haven't turned out the way that you'd want them to turn out. That circumstances just got in the road of normal life. But the reality is, the faith that God wants from each of us, I believe, is to be available and to be ready when the messiness of life hits us. Andrew shared, it was really good too, Andrew. I appreciated seeing all the different things because sometimes we can just get focused on refresh, but our, our mission is not just refresh. Our mission is to the ends of the earth. And um, the great thing is, if, if you feel compelled, giving is one of the greatest blessings. I love it. I come from a family of missionaries, and it's just in my DNA. Uh, And I just pray that if it's not quite in your DNA, pray to God and say, Lord, open my heart to where I need to give. Um, It may not just be to the church. It can be to all sorts of really good organizations. Let's have a look at the story. So Jesus and his disciples, it's getting towards evening, and they get on their boat. Now, the good thing is with the disciples, at least four of them are experienced. <laughs> it's really funny watching people that are inexperienced on a sailing boat. Um, I teach it at summer camps, and it's a disaster. Uh, when we used to do our summer camps at summer we used to send the kids out into the Bermuda Triangle. And it was this area where wind would blow from two different directions, and the kids would go, fum, fum, fum. Uh, and in the midst of all of that was 20 trees. Uh, So after repairing force only see stuff in front of them and if it's a tree, they'll hit it Um, Thank you Christos for shifting sailing But the reality is four of them were experienced the other eight weren't but they knew that these four knew the waters And as they went out there in the boat They thought it was safe, but like any area a storm can blow up quickly just like in our lives things can change very very rapidly And as that storm approached, the posture of Jesus is interesting. It's fascinating. Because in the posture of Jesus in this story, he's at the back of the boat. In this case, probably where he's laying down, it's an interesting place to actually be the back of the boat. If you get get a little bit sick on a boat, um, Neil, um, don't get at the front of the boat or the back of the boat. The middle of the boat actually the best place because it, it, it doesn't move as much. But Jesus is at the back of the boat asleep in the middle of a storm. Initially, as that wind hit, the disciples who were experienced on the water would have gone into, they knew their role. And they probably, the four disciples, was probably enough to actually control the boat. The other eight, just hang on. Make sure you sit in the middle of the boat, keep the boat stable but as that storm hit and they started to bail the water out the disciples realized the experienced ones that they needed to panic they needed to be a little bit worried because they knew that their boat was close to imminent disaster and it is at that point in the story one of the disciples wakes jesus up and shakes him and says help us or we'll perish Our boat is going to sink, we're going to drown, you're going to come down with us, this is going to be terrible. And at that point, Jesus does the most incredible thing. His posture was laying down, he was asleep. Now he stands up and when he speaks, when he speaks, even the wind and the waves, the power and the energy of the environment, listen to our God. Remember the idea a small mustard seed could move a mountain? The reason you can believe it, because our faith is in the same being who's about to speak to the wind and the waves. If God says you only need the faith of a mustard seed, what God is saying, you just need to be in the game. You need to have some skin in the game. And that little mustard seed's enough, and God stands up, Jesus stands up, and he says to the wind and waves, Peace, be still. And at that moment, the wind and the waves, they stop, they cease. Their condition has moved from being perilous to now being safe. In life, the best place, the most important place for us to be is that people leave their their faith. I don't mean church. I mean their faith journey. There are plenty of reasons. There are plenty of reasons that people have never even given God a go. But there are plenty of reasons that people who have given God a go walk away. But it only takes a small seed of faith for your life to be transformed. I love that story. The first point or lesson from our passage today is this, storms will come. Storms will come. A few years ago, we wouldn't have expected COVID. A few years ago, a few months ago, we wouldn't have expected Europe to be at war. A few years ago, some of our members here wouldn't expect to have cancer, wouldn't expect to be unwell. Wouldn't expect to still be in the financial mire that they still face. Wouldn't expect, as a lot of our teachers can, could share if, if they were brave enough to, how much stress has been on the staff of our teachers through this whole COVID pandemic. But the reality is, for those of you who don't work in a school, you also have been through the huge amount of upheaval and change that has been associated with our life and our normal in society today. Even if everything's going fantastic and right right now, I want you to remember that each one of us need to have faith in Jesus because the storms will come. It only takes that split second for things to move from what we consider normal, okay, I'm happy with this paradigm, to actually feeling like where do I fit in, why is my whole world coming down around me? Each one of us, when we write our own little story, our own little paragraph in life's book, will have events, we'll have things that happen to us that are storms of life. For the disciples, at, in this story, it wasn't a spiritual storm. It was a physical storm. When they left the docks that evening, everything was fine. They had checked, they made sure their boat was worthy, to be on the water, they made sure that the weather was okay as much as they could predict and they entered that life journey on the boat thinking everything will be okay. Then the winds picked up, the waves picked up, the waves crashed over the boat and the disciples were afraid and feared for their own lives. Their emotions of fear and anger and frustration and uncertainty and the unknown would have been an ever-present part of that journey, that part of their life. We know that storms will come, and we have to ask ourselves the next questions, and that is, how do we deal when the storms come? How do we deal when the storms come? We need... The first thing I believe is we need to never give up. Because if you've accepted Jesus into your life, even just a little bit, Jesus only needs a little bit, and he needs a tiny little bit of faith like a mustard seed and can move a mountain. When we know that Jesus is part of our lives, we have something or someone we can focus on. Never give up. Keep focused on Jesus Jesus doesn't lose sight of you, and Jesus never wants to give up on you. The third and final thing we need to do is we must remember to have faith in Jesus. With faith in Jesus, we can be assured that no matter how bad things get, how bad the storm of life is going to be, how long it sticks around, how Jesus is going to be there with us. Because, friends, he is on the boat with us. Even if his posture is at the back of the boat resting, Jesus isn't terrified. Jesus isn't full of anxiety. Jesus is in the boat with us. The second part is the storms will go. The storms of life that we face, eventually they stop. Now, For our church community, we were lucky enough, and Kath, it's awesome to have you with us today. Um, We've heard two of the most incredible testimonies from you here as a church, just about the way that you have not given up. Um, The storms will go. may not be the result that we want in the immediate now, but the storms will go because our God has an eternal plan. We are on an eternal journey with Him. This world is just a chapter of the journey of life. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a storm that goes and goes and goes and goes. Eventually, it loses its strength and the storm is gone. In this story, Jesus having him on the boat actually helped shorten the length of the storm. Because there is something powerful, church, There is something incredibly powerful. I don't want you to miss this. There is something incredibly powerful that knowing when we face the storms of life that Jesus has the power to stop the storm. Because it was just his words, just his posturing, just being on the boat of life with the disciples where Jesus could actually silence the storm. The last aspect of this story lesson that I've learnt is that Jesus always remains now it's interesting the disciples when Jesus calmed the storm, what was their response to Jesus, did they turn around and go thank you Jesus doesn't seem to say it in the story what what was their response and this is okay as a human being to have this sort of response, what was his response, help me out anyone brave enough yell it out to me What was was Jesus, I'm sorry, what was their response? Beg your pardon? Disbelief. But it was even more than disbelief because the words were, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The incredibleness of our God is we can't put him into a little box. As soon as we do that, we forget about the majesty of our God. We actually make him too small for who he is. If it's a God that can create the entire universe in six days, that's a pretty big God. If it's a God that can actually send his son through a virgin birth into a lady and and this child Jesus is born, that is pretty big. If it's a God that through the Holy Spirit can actually be there in each one of our lives, that is a massive, massive picture of who our God is. We can't put him into it. So when they actually were in disbelief because th- this was incredible. They had witnessed the power of God and only through the power of God could a small amount of faith like a mustard seed move a mountain. Could a small amount of faith like 45 juniors praying for good weather for that to actually happen when the weather was meant to be forecast for wet because it only takes a little bit of Jesus in our lives. And, and I don't want us just to just have a little portion of our life for Jesus. What I'm saying is, Jesus is sharing himself around with a lot of people, but there is enough Jesus to actually care for each one of us. And on that boat that day, Jesus wasn't worried about thousands of... He was actually worried about his 12 friends. So he speaks to the wind and the waves, and it was gone. One of the most famous poems um, that it was ever written. There's a poem that's entitled Footprints on the Sand. And I think Clayton's got it there for us. Instead of me reading it out initially, what I want you to do is I want you to read it. Um, so if we could put that up. the dream. As I was walking along the beach with my God, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and I noticed that at many times along the path of life, the storms, especially at the very lowest and the saddest times, there was only one set, footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord you said once I decided to follow you you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most you'd leave me? He whispered, my precious child I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then I that I carried you. A lot of people, when they've read this poem, have often thought about the fact that our God's just there to carry us the whole time. He's not. Because it's two sets. Most of the time. Because our God wants to be in a relationship with us. The faith that we have in him is only built because of relationship, not knowledge. I want to repeat that. Because a lot of people think you got to... Because the reality of our God is that it's not about how much you know. It's about who you know. Because in this incredible poem, it's the two sets of footprints in the sand. He wants to do life with you, Ben. He wants to do life with me. He wants to do life with Pastor Neil. He wants to do life with any one of us sitting here today. But when those trials of life come, the faith of a mustard seed that we can get hold on is because we know we can rely upon the person that's been walking next to us. And when those trials come, the incredible... This is good news. This is what we Christians have that is just ridiculously good. It's because our God wants a relationship with us and when troubles come, he picks us up. And the reason there is only one set of footprints is because there's times in life we can't do it on our own. He just picks us up. I love our God and I love the fact that our God's relational. On the boat, when everything was going great, they thought they could do anything want to give them an indication that a storm of life is coming he needed them to be tested and that's what a lot of storms in life actually do they test us but one of the great things about being tested is you can walk out the other side not in a weaker relationship with god but a stronger relationship with god if you feel like life is going too breezy and you're starting to lose your focus on god maybe you need to be praying for a test maybe you need to be praying for a storm not because you need something bad to happen to you, but because you need to actually go back to the source of the relationship of two people walking on the beach and getting to know God so that when that stuff just turns up, your mustard seed will be ready to go. Don't be like me at big camp where I was doubting Thomas. <laughs> like the weather report says it'll rain, it'll rain. Everyone says it'll rain. That ain't the faith of a mustard seed. The faith of the mustard seed can move mountains. What Jesus was teaching his disciples that day is I'm on the boat with you. I'm walking on the sand with you. I'm in relationship with you. Just have faith in me. I'd invite the band to come up, and sing our last song.